Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians and focusing on some important truths about when Jesus comes again. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you joining us for today's episode of Everyday Truth. We are nearing the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. want to show you my mug today. It is my, I just want to drink coffee and pet my dog. <laughs> I just want to drink coffee and pet my dog. Two of my favorite activities in life. We, uh, growing up, we always, always had a dog. I remember uh, our first dog, Lucky, uh, who wasn't so lucky because he got hit by a car, unfortunately. And then we had a dog named Claire. Who names their dog Claire? But we did. Uh, Claire. And then we had another dog for years named Shamrock, but we called her Sham. And uh, we've had all kinds of Luke, Leo. Um, again, who names their dog Luke? But we inherited that dog with that name, Flora. Uh, my son, Caleb, has a dog named Oakley, and he's the best dog on earth. So I guess this mug today will be in honor of Oakley. But enough of all that. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and I want you to see verse number 14, where the Apostle Paul now has dealt with the question about the day of the Lord. He's dealt with some of the, the negative information about the tribulation period, the Antichrist. Remember, we talked about that strong delusion. Last episode, we talked a bit about Paul's desire to encourage them, to thank God for them. We're bound to thank God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Why? Because God made it a possibility that you could uh, be have the same salvation as we Jews. And God has given you access to the truth. You, you heard our gospel. You responded to it. The Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. He is making you more like Jesus every day. He is the earnest of your inheritance. He's the guarantee that all every good promise that God has given you in Jesus Christ will come to fruition. A body, soul, spirit, you are saved. And that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? So here we are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 15, uh, where the Bible says, therefore. So now as we get to some concluding thoughts at the end of the chapter, Paul is going to encourage, he's going to challenge uh, them. So verse number 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So, wherefore, brethren, stand fast. Now, I've told you some things. I've told you that some dark days are coming. I've told you that sometimes we can get uh, out of sorts when we don't understand Bible doctrine. I've told you that God loves you. I've told you that he has a plan for you. I've told you that his plan is unfailing. So in light of all of this, says the Apostle Paul, stand fast. Now, what does, what does that mean then to stand fast, to hang in there, to stand firmly? What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that somehow, some way that God expects for us in our own strength to just keep on keeping on. I think sometimes if we're not, if we're not careful, 
that's what that's the message we preach to people. And that is, hey, you can do it. You can make it. You're strong. You're stronger than you think. And that's all very secular and humanistic, isn't it? Now, the, the point about standing fast is not that we have strength. The point about standing fast is not that we are able. The point about standing fast is that we have a resource on whom to stand. We have strength on which to rely. So I think about passages like Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul talks about uh, spiritual warfare and, and the wiles of the devil and the opposition that we face, the principalities and powers and the, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. It sounds ominous. But what does Paul say? He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the devil and having done all to stand. So the point there is not that we can stand. The point there is that we have the power in Christ to stand. So when the Bible talks about standing fast, it's within the context of, you know, the truth. It's when the, in the context of God has set his love upon you. It's within the context of the Spirit of God lives within, lives with, inside of you. It's in the context of the spiritual resources that we have. But then what in what are we to stand fast? Well, well, watch again what it says in verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold. Don't let go. Grasp onto. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or by our, or of our, or our epistle, so our letter, whether verbally or through the written word, hold fast to the traditions. I know what you're probably thinking right now. You're probably thinking, well, you know, Kurt, I thought the Bible made a strong distinction between tradition and Bible teaching. And you would be absolutely right to make that statement. The Bible does make a strong distinction between Bible teaching and man's tradition. Uh, Jesus said, uh, in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. He said in another place, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many, might, and many such like things do ye. So whether that be Matthew 15, 9 or Mark 7, 13, uh, the traditions of men can certainly mitigate the power of the word of God. We've seen that. We've seen that in certain denominations. I think we don't have to look even to other denominations. I think we can look at our own life and realize that it's very easy to elevate the traditions of man to the level of the word of God. And that's a very dangerous thing. But that's not what this verse is teaching. This verse is not teaching that we should hold to man-made traditions. Uh, the verse is not teaching that somehow our preferences are on an equal plane with the Word of God. That's not what the Bible's teaching. What the Bible's teaching here is that there are certain traditions that are based upon the Word of God, that are born out of one's understanding of biblical teaching. And those are traditions to which we ought to uh, uh, 
attach ourselves. Those are traditions that we ought to hold on to, I think is the language here of verse number 15. So what kind of traditions are we talking about? Well, tradition in that sense simply means teaching, the, the, the application of biblical teaching. And the Apostle Paul said, boy, hold on to that. Whether that be, hey, we read the Bible or we go to church on Sunday or things that are Bible-based, Bible-validated traditions we ought to hold on to. And Paul said, and you've heard this. You've heard this in our preaching. So that's what he said, through our word. And then you've also heard this in our letters. So if you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, five chapters, or the book of 2 Thessalonians, three chapters, Paul has been teaching, teaching, teaching. Uh, He was there for that time in Thessalonica. He was teaching, teaching, teaching. And what, what he said is, hold on to those truths. Hold on to those traditions in that sense that you have been taught. Be careful not to just let them go in one ear and out the other ear. Make sure that they are that to which you are uh, affixing yourself and holding on to. So how do we hold on to tradition? How do we stand fast? By application. It's one thing to say, I believe it in a creedal sense. It's one thing to say, I memorize it, or I sign a statement of faith. It's an altogether different thing to make it a part of our life, the way we live, the priorities we have, the schedule we keep. And when the Apostle Paul talks about standing and holding, these are action verbs that require us to live according to the truth. The real commentary on what you believe is not what you say. The real commentary on what you believe is how you apply in the way that you live. And that's the point uh, that the Apostle Paul is making in verse number 15. Now, verse number 16 is kind of an encouragement at the end of the chapter. And and look at what it says. Now, Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. So before Paul says, this is what I wish for you, before Paul says, this is my benediction for you, he gets us to focus on what we have in Christ. Because the indicatives, what what are true, ought to always drive the imperatives, what we should do. So we should do based upon what is true. So Paul tells us what is true. Here's what's true. What is true is you have a relationship with God through Christ. And what is true is that we have an everlasting consolation. We have hope because of grace. Think about that, everlasting consolation. Uh, We have a comfort, a peace of mind, a confidence that will last forever. So that's what's true. And then because of what's true, you know, what, what, what does the Bible say? Well, look, look at verse number 17, that God would comfort your hearts. So Paul says, here's what's true. Okay, now here's what uh, I'm praying for you, that God would comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work, that God would comfort your hearts by these truths, what is true, that he would encourage you, and then that he would establish everything you say, 
and everything you do. That, that's our testimony. The sum total of our testimony is what we say, the words that we employ, and then the works that we do. That in, in our conversation, so in the, in the Old English, the word conversation applied, yes, to your words, but not only to your words, to your lifestyle that God would establish you, your testimony, that it would reflect a person who knows Christ, who knows uh, of the Father's love for him, that's convinced of who he is in time and space, that has that inner conviction and comfort of the Holy Spirit in his heart to live a life that reflects Christ in his words and in his works. I hope that's your testimony. Uh, I I, uh, I pray that it is. Well, next uh, episode, we'll jump into chapter number three. I uh, hope you'll join us. Uh, thanks for being so faithful. God bless you today, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.